Hey tubes, it's Alex here. So I've been thinking, should I be calling out Sheen instead of small brands? Really keen to hear your thoughts on this one. Hey, 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 you are listening to Hey Tubes, where we are trying to work out, can we save the planet, but can we also make it fashion? We are Jess and Steph Dadan. We are sisters. We are your hosts. We are so happy you are here. And we are the founders of Tubes, footwear brand. We make shoes. They go on your feet. They're made from recycled things and sugarcane. Hey, I'm also here. How you going? I'm so excited. This is such a fun question. Should I be calling out Sheen instead of small brands? Ugh. Well, guys, we're a small brand, so we think so. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We get so much hate mail. People, they call us out. We're exhausted. (laughs) We're trying our best. Have you not listened to this podcast and realized that we are just out here trying our goddamn best? It's so funny because we get so much hate mail and people are like, can't all of your team members do better or like, you know, people assume that we're like a 30 person company and we are literally a five person company. And two of those five are the two of us. So we employ three full-time employees, which is really big growth for us. And we feel like we're getting called out all the time. And we're like, there are just five of us. There's only so much we can do. Yeah. Like, can you just take that anger and go and place it elsewhere? And I think that one of my funniest things that has happened recently in our brand is we were so excited when we introduced this new material to our shoes that was sugarcane. Like we put sugar cane in our shoes instead of plastic that was awesome we were so proud of ourselves and then someone and look she was very well meaning but I just feel like this is to show you the level of scrutiny that we sit under wrote to us saying I saw that you source your sugar cane from Brazil why isn't it being sourced in Australia (laughs) and it's like I don't know, babe. I'm behind a desk trying to make shit happen. Like I'm not in the field growing the sugar cane in Australia. I can't like fly to Queensland and see where I can source it. I don't know how to turn it into the oil that they make it into in order to put it into shoes. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm not (laughs) part of the innovation. I can just find the innovation and then I can implement it into our shoes. If we had like all the money in the world and all the team to support support us, then I totally get that we could be part of the innovation, but like we can't, we just have to find a company that's in Brazil that's doing it. And then like, we have to get them to do it for us as well. Yeah. Like when we started on this environmental journey, it literally started like 
Google. How do I make sustainable shoes? Shit. You know, like, how do I make sustainable shit? Yeah, like we find answers through Google. That is literally how we find all of these things. Is that how you find when you're like, oh, how do I find sugarcane for shoes? You just Google it. Well, the sugarcane for shoes one was different because all birds were doing it. So I just wrote to them and I said, hey, can we have your supplier? How do you do that? And they were like, sure, here you go. Okay, great. It was very kind. Yeah, well, and I think that that's the thing, right? Like all Allbirds is this big brand and they have a lot of money to spend on these kinds of things and creating these innovations. And then us as the small brands are just like, yoo excuse me. So the moral <laughs> of the story is ask Allbirds why the sugarcane isn't being sourced <laughs> in Australia. No, but for real, I think that what we want to explore on this episode is this idea that there are small brands out here trying their very best to do what is right And then there are big brands who are very clearly not giving a shit about what it's right and they're just out here for the profits. And sometimes as a small brand, we feel like we're sitting under a level of scrutiny that they don't necessarily endure. Yeah. We don't know if that's right or not, but that's how we feel. We don't know. And even if they are sitting under the scrutiny too, Like, it just feels like they should be the ones sitting under a lot more scrutiny. Like, if we are 1% of the size and they are 99%. Not even. Yeah, we're like like, like 0.1% of the size. 0.1. Then we should be getting 0.1% of the scrutiny, if at all. Like, I feel like as well, if we're getting called out for things, we do so much. We care so much. And I think a lot of people know that. And I feel like if you're scrutinizing us that much, how much are you scrutinizing these other small brands? Or maybe it's actually that we do things like that we care about things. And maybe that's the reason why people do like want to call us out more and want to scrutinize us more. Because I remember when we were first advertising on Facebook, when we first started Tubes and it was a vegan brand, we were really proud of the fact that we were animal friendly and that wasn't really something that was done then. And I remember we were running these Facebook ads that said something like, no animals suffered in the creation of these shoes. And somebody commented back, what about the human animals who suffered creating your shoes? Mm. And we were like, oh my God, like, can we do no right? But in hindsight though, Spanner, I feel like they were right. Mm, You know, like at the time we were only focused on vegan. We weren't really, I mean, we knew where our shoes were being made and we'd visited the factory. Exactly. Like we've always done, like it's been the two of us and we always go visit factories. And when people imagine this giant factories, ours are these small rooms and we literally meet the people and there are 20 people there. Totally. But we weren't putting it out there. We We weren't putting it out there. there. But we we weren't just like, creating them in Bangladesh like so many other big companies were like we were doing it with thought and kindness so no that person wasn't right okay fine they weren't but (laughs) I like to think of it as tubes is if we're presenting you with a brown rice bowl which it's brown rice because it's healthy and delicious Mm. even though Stephanie likes white rice better it's like we present you with this bowl of rice and we're like here's our brown like we hope you love it we worked so hard and then like before you eat it you take apart every single grain and you look under the grain and then you look on top of the grain and then you look on the side and then you look on the side and we're just out here being like oi Sheen is serving you a bowl of like sushi rice like it's got sugar in it and shit and you don't even pick up one grain of rice you just eat the whole thing without even asking any questions here you are inspecting our healthy bowl of rice (laughs) (laughs) And now 
we are going to phone a friend and this is a friend that we have podcasted with before and so we can guarantee you she is going to have some brilliant answers and thinkers for us. Her name is Erica Gerrards and she is the founder of Fluff, which is a beauty company that is doing things differently and you know we love people that are doing things differently. So let's give Erica a call. Hi, Erica. Hi, how are you guys? Hey, good. We're excited to be chatting to you today. I know it's been too long. I think it's, well, we've got a lot to chat about. We've got a lot, a lot. Okay. And we wanted to hit you with like a big question that obviously could go in many different directions. So we might just jump straight into it and ask you, do you feel like bigger brands are getting called out in the same way that smaller ones are? I think yes and no. I mean, I definitely feel sorry for or I have empathy for the customer service team at any big conglomerate. I think that would be hard and you have to have a heart of steel to not take feedback from consumers personally because they are so honest and so brutal these days. I have taken things very personally in the past I still can, but then there's other days where I can really put some separation between me and the customer. Yeah, it's hit or miss. Yeah, that's so true. And I guess also like it's so worth mentioning that with Fluff and with Tubes, I guess we're not the average brands, right? Like we sit here and we care so much. And Erica, you sit and you go through, okay, well, we don't want to be producing this much stuff. How can we actually produce less? We're asking those same questions at Tubes, but that's not the reality of what being inside a lot of brands looks like. Lots of people, like the big people at Sheen and the peeps like that, we need to be harsh on them because they're doing shady shit. And unless we are, we won't know what the shady shit is. Yeah, look, I think there's always been people doing shady shit and unfortunately there will continue to be and consumers have to keep an eye out for that and I think do their research about where they're buying from, which should be pretty easy these days. You can do quick searches about companies and get a pretty fairly good understanding of what they're about, especially just Probably my biggest thing is just, is there a founder? Is there someone putting their face to this brand or company? And what is their reason for doing so? And the reason for the the business existing or can you go somewhere else to buy it? But I think consumers have to question themselves as well about why they're purchasing what they're purchasing and if they really need it. And that all comes down to really, I think, thinking about emotional and rational benefits. Like I can really understand when I think about consumers that not everyone is in the position to buy from the best producer because of access points like price or even shipping or location. And so I can't take that away from them. So if they have the option of buying something very similar to what they're after for very cheap that they can get the next day, how am I going to convince like that emotional part of their brain not to purchase it? And I think that we feel like Sheen is often used as this ultimate example of fast fashion. I know, I don't know if you saw, but like over the last few weeks, this report has come out about skims and how the factories that they're using to create their stuff in Bangladesh, the workers aren't being paid a living wage and they're not even supporting that fund that was put in place to support workers in Bangladesh. So like they're doing the bad stuff. And we know they're doing the bad stuff. That's the thing. I feel like 
with social media, all of these kind of goods and bads, we know what they're doing because we're all talking about it. People are getting called out. You know, I feel like Sheen's getting called out all the time. We know what's happening with skims. But people keep buying from them. Like you call them out on one side of your mouth and then it's like, oh, oh but I really love the, the the color that they did last week. And I'm like, I, I, I'm still just going to buy it. Like, sorry. So it's and like, we're all guilty of that. Like oh, that's- we- I, I'm guilty of that. I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here acting like I'm not, I mean, I don't buy skims, but- Totally. We all do that in some way, shape or form. We do the equivalent of it. Yeah, totally. And then I guess it does feel like as a small brand, and I don't know if you feel like this, and it would be interesting to hear a little bit from you of people really coming for you at Fluff, but it's almost like because we put up our hand and we're like, we really care as a small brand. It's like it opens the floodgates for negative feedback about every single layer of our business because we said we care, but it's almost like the sheens of the world aren't saying they care so that they can get away with more than we can. Sometimes it feels that way. I can't tell you how many of our comms or of our social posts have asked consumers for feedback or how can we be better. So therefore I can't really complain when someone demands me to be better or ask me to be better. I think my biggest problem sometimes is just in the delivery of how people ask to be better. And I wonder if people just aren't being raised with manners or are just forgetting them in the heat of the moment, because I think it's really important to, again, ask brands to be better and to try new things or to look at areas that they haven't before. But it's just about asking nicely but I think we maybe then have to zoom out a bit and ask why consumers are asking angrily or asking with this sort of bluntness or aggressiveness and perhaps that's because they feel like they haven't been listened to before or they feel like they've been neglected or that brands don't care or don't follow through. So what has been a way that a customer has called you out or given you some feedback that has actually been productive and led you to make a change in your business? The main feedback that we receive is totally warranted and it would be around representation, inclusivity, just always trying to show people from all walks of life so that they feel like they can see themselves in the brand and that extends to product as well with shade inclusivity. So that was a conversation that we had really early on when we spoke literally about the business's financial capacity for ordering product and shade development. And we copped a lot of probably acceptable flack about not launching with multiple shades of our bronzing powder. But when we had the financial means to extend the range, we really invited our community to help us decide because we knew that that couldn't just be a decision that we look at essentially a Pantone book or just the very limited range that our manufacturer has and just point to shades. We really wanted our community helping us. And it was so interesting, the feedback that we got and the products that we ended up launching would not have been what I would have thought or chosen. So I just try and be really open and curious to when people tell me that they feel like they aren't represented. It's really interesting as well, because it's like, People saying that to you really led to you making a change in your business. Whereas I feel like if you were putting that stuff out there to a big brand, A, maybe it just would go nowhere or B, 
perhaps they might do something different for just a little bit of time because it's more performative because they are driven by what do the people want. It's kind of like politicians, you know, they're not really caring that much. They're just trying to get the sales. They're trying to get the votes. They're trying to do whatever's going to make people happy. So I remember during Black Lives Matter, there were protests around the world for that a couple of years ago a lot of brands started shooting with more diverse models. We were seeing a lot more black models, but it was for a period. And I've noticed that a lot of those brands have kind of just like wiped that out now and okay, cool. We tick that box. We don't need to do it anymore. Or they're using a a lot more people of color and black people, but this is particularly for fashion brands, but they've gone back to using stick thin people because they're like, okay, cool. They don't, they're not asking about size inclusivity anymore. Now it's more about, inclusivity in this way so it's interesting because the question that we're answering are you better off calling out sheen than small brands maybe the impact to be had is by having more collaborative conversations with small brands because small brands are the ones who are actually willing to listen and make those changes often smaller brands do have the capability or capacity to make those changes based on their production lines or their output. So asking a producer of, you know, millions of units to stop their production line and change one of their formulas is going to be a lot harder than a smaller brand who is maybe producing a thousand units at a time. So that's where I think customers should really want to find out or want to learn this from brands like what does change actually look like is that something that they can a brand can illustrate or talk about over time you touched on something earlier that I thought was really interesting and important for people to hear as well which is like the financial commitment that it requires to produce a multi-shade bronzer and and I don't think that like that's like a a flag that you can wave and just be like oops sorry like we can only do one bronzer but I do think that it's important for customers to understand that anytime you bring on something layered like that or for example we've had this experience where we just usually would have paid for one model in our campaign but that means that only like one thing is being represented now we need five models in our campaigns to have or or more really because even if we do have four models in our campaigns people still say to us like oh well xyz wasn't represented in your campaign so we need more and more means more cost and for a small brand that isn't trying to sell the world to begin with. Those are like challenging experiences. And those are things that we should be expecting and demanding from the larger brands who can handle that level of cost compared to a tubes or a fluff. I'd be really interested to know, and there is no answer for this, but what is the like universally acceptable amount of representation, whether that's shades, whether that's size, whether that's people, because we find in the beauty industry or there are a couple of accounts that are really taking down brands for their shade range, but they're taking down brands who have 12 shades, then they're still taking brands that have 60 shades. And I just wonder, like, when does that number stop? Like, if one person says, I couldn't find a shade that suited me, Does that mean we have to add another? It's just really difficult. I don't know the answer. Maybe we do have to keep adding, but that's the conversation that I wish consumers would think about. There's a lot of distrust and I can understand why. I think everyone's a bit angry at someone or something or some brand and we're all a bit tired and I think we have just forgotten that we're all also humans behind these brands and behind these businesses and behind um, 
these governments and behind these bodies who are actually trying to do good. And another example for me is that how we will critique brands or we will critique scientists or we will critique professionals in certain industries because we don't know them um, and because it, it feels really easy to. But if you just switched your thinking or thought, imagine if it was my dad that was the lead scientist working on COVID and he sat there and told me his opinion and then I just looked at him and said, I don't care, I think you're full of shit. Or imagine <laughs> if, you know, my mum was a chemist and had been working on beauty for her whole life and was like, this formula is good for you. And I just said to her, no, I actually don't think you know. So the last one is what's the most savage piece of feedback you've ever received? We have been lucky. I feel really fortunate that no one has taken a personal stab at me or Ellen or anyone that has worked at Fluff other than maybe calling us like uncool millennials that are just trying to sell a lot of product. And I've really accepted that I am as, not as cool as a centennial and that's all right. I think the biggest thing would just be if people say that I do still get upset when people think that we are not representing or that we are intentionally not representing people or that we don't care or that we're just selling product. That hurts because how do I have that conversation where it's like, yes, we need to make money, but yes, we're trying to do a lot here and there's only two of us and we're trying to do one thing at a time. So it sucks when people think that we've been tone deaf or haven't really cared about an issue, especially because sometimes, you know, as much as we try and think about the pros and cons of any campaign or any product launch and think about how could this go wrong? How could this not be received well? Sometimes you miss things, especially as a small brand. I think there's less of an excuse if you are a huge company that has a legal team and a HR team. In those instances, it's like, how did you guys miss that? How could you stuff up? But in other circumstances, it's where I wish consumers are like, oh, it kind of makes sense that maybe they didn't see that coming or they're human you know, we all make mistakes. And so it's about the dialogue that comes after. And so I'm always willing to have that conversation with consumers. I was just like reflecting when you were talking on ours. And I feel like I remember only one time we've gotten this, um, but someone said like about tubes that we're greenwashing. And I was like, ooh, way to hit us where it hurts. Cause like we pride ourselves on not greenwashing. Like we have a big sign in our office that says, are we greenwashing? So that we can like constantly be sense checking ourselves. So I just remember like writing back to her being like, that was the meanest thing you could have said to us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Erica. It's been so nice to chat to you again and good luck with the next drop. Thanks, guys. It's always good chatting. All right, take care. Hey, two! Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Okay, and now this podcast is taking a wild turn over to our segment. These are my confessions. Confessions of a shopaholic. What a wild turn that nobody saw coming. I know, right? Oh my goodness. I feel like I have whiplash. (laughs) So what is your confession for the day? Okay, so a little while ago, probably actually like late 2019, I want to say, I had a purchasing revolution where I stopped letting myself buy clothes that lasted probably until the end of the pandemic when I started buying just like thoughtfully. But there was a good couple years there where I really wasn't buying any clothes. So basically I stopped buying clothing, but then obviously as per our episode a few weeks ago with Rick, I was still very much like in my shopaholic habits and I needed to buy something, especially because it was like the first couple months of lockdown and I was going stir crazy. So I just started buying books like really, (laughs) really excessively. Like I'd go onto Booktopia when I felt an urge and like rather than just buying one book to support my urge, it would be like I'd buy six books and I'd convince myself all the reasons why I needed like two cookbooks, two new novels, like one book to give to Stephanie as a present. Like it was (laughs) so excessive and then it's been so funny because I've been packing up my house now and I'm like one of those person that now owns books and I'm like when did I become that person oh yeah in the first six months of 2020 when I was like still curbing my shopping addiction with book purchasing (laughs) I mean I feel like it's a healthy one book buying is not good for the environment like it's much better if I just buy things on my kindle oh yeah that's so true but at least books aren't going to go to landfill. Like you keep books, right? Did yeah, you- yeah. You keep books. You can like give them away, give them as gifts. Yeah, but- like books surely never end up in landfill unless they get wet or something like that. And I feel like they still end up in landfill because everything ends up in landfill. But, well, but- you can recycle them. And they can be passed down from generation to generation. You know, but it's anyway, like not- I was buying them excessively. That's my confession. I was buying seven books at a time that I didn't need <laughs> and I probably only used two of them. Yep. Good confession. So mine today is when I go to the naturopath, I don't even have a naturopath regularly. Like I go to a naturopath every year or two. I'll be like, oh, my health is really bad. I've had this thing. Why haven't I been going to a naturopath? (laughs) And so I'll go to a naturopath and on the way there, I'll be like, I'm not going to buy all the things. I'm not going to buy all the things. I'm not going to buy all the things, you know? And I'll be like, when pep I, talk. Yeah, pep talking myself. And then when I get there and I see them, I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know, like I, I'm not good at taking tablets because I never take them. Like I buy them all and then I take them home and I just don't take any of it. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not good at taking tablets. So, you know, just like I, I can have one or maybe two things. Cut to the end of the session. Here are the 10 things you should buy. And yes, I am buying all of those 10 things. And it happens to me over and over and over again. And can I tell you the funniest part? Recently, it happened to me again. One last time, I would like to think, where I went in Byron and I found a naturopath and I was like, I'm not going to buy anything. So I went. Wait, what's the point in going to a naturopath if well, you're I'll not going to you. buy anything? I'll tell you. Yeah, this is what I mean. So I went. I had a session with her. So I went and I found this naturopath who was awesome. And it said she was really holistic and she looked, she like looks at lifestyle and meditation and all these other things as well. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I was just looking for some advice on what I should do on what I should life, eat. Life coach vibes. Yeah. But like as in a, a naturopath version, because like I wanted to know what I should eat and stuff to like feel better. 
So That's anyway, a nutritionist. Yeah. You should have gone to a nutritionist. <laughs> well, yeah. So I realized I went through this session with her, told her I didn't like tablets. At the end, she told me these are the 10 things I, I should buy. Go out the front and buy them. I grabbed the piece of paper. I didn't have the heart to say I wasn't going to. And I ran to my car. And I drove away. And I'm never going back. And I finally had the realization that that's what a naturopath does. Yeah, like why would you go to them if you weren't ready to take, If you, why would you walk into that appointment saying, I'm not going to buy anything? Then it's like, why did you come? Because I thought... <laughs> I thought a naturopath. You thought it was an nutritionist. It's like a natural. I thought they were like giving you like health advice. But you didn't think it on like a thinking level. Like no, you I it did. On a I, level. Oh. I'm throwing you a bone here. I thought it on a thinking level. And I just I only just realized that that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Very so much. we're not going anymore. Yeah, good call. We shouldn't do that anymore. Okay, good confession. I don't know how we're going to recover. Maybe I should just wrap it up here. Yeah, I'm getting the vibe that I should. Okay, folks, that's all we have time for today. As you can hear, Stephanie doesn't have anything else in her to give. So I'm going to wrap this one up for us. We hope you like this episode. Please help us out. Share it with a friend. Don't call small brands out anymore. Maybe if you want to call brands out, call out the big brands. We will take constructive criticism, but please, please send it in a loving way. Have beautiful days, have beautiful weeks and come on over to our Facebook group, A Kinder Community. We'll chat more there. And stay away from naturopaths unless you want to buy a lot of things. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much to our podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner, and a big thank you to King Cora and Lily3PO for creating our incredible theme song. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Boonarong, Boonwarung and Wurundjeri Woolwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bunjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging.